man. I really feel like Ben and I are providing like a real like uh, you know like 1990s shock jock radio sort of vibe. Yeah, welcome to the Nida Studios with Bigby and the Dude. That's you because you've got the long hair and Jack. All right, okay. Let me describe to you, Jackson, right now. Long, long hair. Big, long hair. Big beard. Big boy. Big beard. Pineapple hat. Pale pink hat. Little embossed pineapple on the front. Very cool vibe. Maroon oh, wow. shirt. Buttons at the top. Ben, Very take fun time. A photo for us. Yes. All right. Hang on. I'm gonna move the thing. Here you go. I sent you guys a Snapchat of Jackson. Thank you very much. Oh. Jackson, you're a big fat Sydney hipster. Did you? I know. know. Okay. Okay. Yes. I know. Okay. So, so hang on. I Let's. Right. I have to phrase it though. <laughs> I have things I'd like to say now about fucking my experience of being in Sydney the last, like, 24 hours. I'm loving it. I'm here. I've I've seen with my own two eyes Jackson's personal liberal bubble that he exists in in a very literal sense. He took me into the room where he he does writing with all of his other, like, Sydney hipster writer pals, and there's all kinds of, like, charcoal sketches all over the walls. It's... <laughs> it's a- on, on the walls of the pods, not all over the walls of the building. It's not like we've, we've like fucking lost it and like yeah. been like scratching at the windows. But like we're inside NIDA Studios right now. Like Jackson and I are sitting in like a boardroom in like the writers' fucking corridor of NIDA, the National Institute of Dramatic Arts, where Jackson is an MFA boy. And I got to say, I feel I feel cultured. I feel the energy, the good vibes of this mm-hmm. hallowed facility uh, soaking up into my bones. And now I want to write like a scathing political commentary about the Abbott administration. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't get pa- past the fact that you explained what NIDA was, but not what MFA was. Like, yeah, okay, that's I true. I know what yeah. that is. Well, okay, but this is the let's thing. be real. Well, now that like I'm in MBA the liberal is bubble, the only M that people all know. <laughs> Yeah. Now that I'm in the liberal bubble, I've like forgotten what is and isn't common knowledge. But yeah, I don't know, what, what do we call them, Jackson? Do we call them common folk, us Snyder liberal well, people? Yeah. <laughs> we tend not to speak of them <laughs> as much as possible. Jackson, okay, right. can you please kick BMAC out of your liberal sphere? <laughs> I can hear him polluting it. <laughs> yeah, it's very much a suffering game vibe. Yeah. Um, neither did I get that. Yeah, don't worry about it. That one was just for us over here. Yeah, on the hey, sorry, sorry. It's all like a, it's all like a Sydney hipster liberal sort of vibe going on over here. Like, don't worry about it. You guys, yeah, you, you guys will get it in a couple hours. Hey, right? am I right? Am I right? Yeah. Oh. 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 God. <laughs> Make sure you tell them you also know King of Sydney, Ben McAllister. And yeah. Just see how Were you around when the that. King of Sydney came over for three days? <laughs> well, I know him. It was good of him to visit. I mean, to be fair, like you're not technically the king because whilst Jackson did thrice present to you a kingly crown, you did thrice <laughs> refuse it. That's true. That's true. I think Tom is saying he's going to stab you in the back when yeah, you get I think that's so. There's also a I got to say brew steak. I've got oh I've got a pile of discarded crowns up to my left here. Like yeah, I'm really, I'm really flinging him. Since I've been sitting in the hour, Jackson's just been passing me crowns like yeah. quietly, just like sliding them across the table, <laughs> yeah. and I've just been like, no, no, no. no. And like in, in like abstract ways as well, I've given him some of those like little crown biscuits and yeah. like you know like uh, hot Blu-rays of the Crown season two. <laughs> <laughs> um, just trying to get it in an abstract sense, but he's not. He's he's too smart for me. He came in this morning with a pregnant woman on a gurney, and she was crowning. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> I know how BMAC managed to turn down the Crown Biscuits, because of course he doesn't want that glutinated poisoning. I don't know how he turned down the Crown DVD. 
<laughs> I don't know how he turned that down. Claire Foy, Emmy winner, turned just like this incredible. Emmy winner, Claire Foy. Exactly. Yeah. I would. Look, let me, okay. let me, let me, let me put it this way. <laughs> I would turn down a DVD of The Crown because it's 2018 and I don't have any mechanism to watch a DVD. <laughs> what are you even talking about? Where am I gonna put a well, DVD? I'm, what am I gonna do? Hand you a laptop with Netflix on it? Yeah, and be or like, a fucking thumb episode? drive. Or listen, listen. It's part of the comedy of it, okay? Yeah, yeah. And But, of course, you wouldn't turn down a, a pregnant mother who's like... Uh, you, you said crowning. I, th- I initially heard gurning, and I was like, oh, that's concerning. <laughs> yeah, wow. What's she doing that yeah. for? Because <laughs> she was on a gurney, right? Like, oh, Is that where that came from? <laughs> that's what they call it. They're like, we need to get this woman gurning, stuff. Crowning also <laughs> what people say when it's like the poo coming out. <laughs> Thomas, that was the least... That was just the strangest way of phrasing that. <coughs> Guys, this is the longest pre-roll we've ever done. We have to start the podcast. Yeah. Maybe this is like our like that, that episode of Mabim Band. Yeah, where they, they just they didn't just, do the podcast. Where they just like, hang out and talk and they yeah. just don't do a D&D D- show. What if we do like a one-shot that we roll up right now? Oh. This is a tale of a strange and dangerous world, a world known as Carthus. This is an adventure full of magic, hardship, and ale. This is a tale about a world at war and the people who are forced to endure it. From the wounds of battle come three unlikely partners trying to make sense of something much larger than themselves. But more than any of that, this is a story about how to win loot and influence dragons. Hello, and welcome back to How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons. It's a D&D 5e for the... <laughs> it's, a, it's a 5e It's a 5e for me, and you... It's a 5e actual play for the Curio Network of podcasts. Uh, I am, as always, your King of Sydney Dungeon Master, Ben McAllister. I am your adjacent prince, Jackson Newsom. <laughs> and who else is here? I am your far, far away jester, Thomas Owen. Oh, the court jester. I love this vibe. Seriously, great. Bring it home. Bring it home. Oh, I'm... <laughs> I'm sleepy Saturday morning, Grace. <laughs> Grace, you did. <laughs> we were doing a thing. All you needed to say was queen. What were you doing? I don't understand. King, I'm still prince, asleep. jester. Oh no! No, I didn't get it. Oh no, Grace. I, I was hoping you'd go. I, I was hoping you'd go for like Emmy Award winning actress, like Claire Foy. Claire Foy. It's right there. But that's okay. It's okay, Gracie. Um, it's okay. Oh my still... goodness! I didn't even make the Claire Foy connection. That would have been incredible. Yeah, except for the fact that none of that would have been in the pre-roll, probably, so it wouldn't have made any sense. I'm hoping for, like, a 15-minute pre-roll, hopefully. Yeah, well, okay, (laughs) hey, so let's just quickly explain what's going on here. Uh, I'm the King of Sydney, because I'm currently in Sydney. Mm. I'm co-located with my boy Jackson. This is the first time we've recorded a podcast in the same room since you left. And, like, you've been back in Perth in that time, Mm. and I... I haven't been over here, but like we we haven't like got together to record a thing. It's very good. It's yeah. a very good vibe. Very good vibe. Jackson and I are together. Grace and T are together. It's all feeling very good on this fun Saturday morning. Are you guys still in the morning? Isn't it afternoon for you? Wow! It just oh, went wow. noon, didn't it? Yeah, it just broke noon. I guess we can start drinking. Hey, oh. <laughs> That's how time works. How are you guys doing this Saturday morning? Do you think we should like maybe dip into this podcast? I'm kind of excited to dip into it whilst I can see Jackson's reactions to the things that I say and do. Yeah. <laughs> 
Do it. <laughs> oh, okay. I guess. Do you want to keep are, chatting then? Like, we can just chat. That's fine. Yeah, as like well. you don't sound that no, into it. Yes. Yeah. When we last left our heroes, they'd finally made their way out of the sewers and into Hanelport proper, where they wanted to find Alyssa Brambles in the hope that she might know something about the Sine Temple of Sea. They extricated themselves from the Black Hen storehouse and headed towards the university. Of course, anyone who knows our party will know that they couldn't help from indulging themselves in a little... shopping. Drazilia purchased a series of powerful and humiliating magical traps. Duncan engaged the services of a director and organized auditions for reasons as yet unknown, and Jody acquired a wonderful cloak with magical properties. However, our heroes soon got back on track and found Alyssa Brambles holed up in her office at the university. After revealing that they knew about the Temple of Sea and were working with Valeria, Alyssa explained that although she had indeed found the temple, things were somewhat complicated by the fishfolk. She revealed that they were not merely attacking the city out of anger, but because she had acquired something of theirs. That's right. To our hero's surprise, Alyssa Brambles removed the fishfolk legacy, the keystone from Drazilia's vision, from her desk drawer. That brings us to right now. So yeah, that's where you guys are. You're in Alyssa Bramble's office. She's just pulled out the keystone and laid it on the desk and said that the fish people are very angry about it. Duncan's outside the door. Uh, Miles, her assistant, is kind of standing discreetly in the corner. And uh, you guys are just sitting there. What do you guys do? Can I ask quickly? Is like Miles like a like a Miles from Frasier, so, like sort of like sort of vibe? Well, the like, character from Frasier is called Niles, but if you want to visualize him as David Hyde Pierce, I think I did say he's a small man, like in stature. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think that's okay. I'll try and do a David Hyde Pierce thing now. Okay, great. Uh, oh, oh, Alyssa, what are you doing there with that? No, this isn't working. I'm sorry, I can't do it. <laughs> Look, I'm a master of voices, but like David Hyde Pierce is a bridge too far. Yeah, fair enough. I'm so glad you came to that conclusion before I had to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you guys do? What do you guys do? As specifically that you're a master of voices i don't know about the niles miles thing yeah i just i'm glad you know you're a master of voices thanks bud um what are you guys what are you guys doing i'm in the lobby and now my brain is just playing remix to ignition in my head where it's like after the party it's the after party and then what is it like after the party it's the The hotel lobby that's literally i've just got that poorly rendered bit of remix ignition stuck on loop in my head. Yeah, is that in that your head out. or is that in Duncan's <laughs> head? I don't want to make too many leaps about Carthusian uh, canon, but I'm going to say that remix ignition is definitely what you would consider part of the Carthusian literary canon. And it <laughs> is in Duncan's head. I'm going to send out a message on the sending stone and say... How much should we reveal, if anything? So she reveals she has the keystone, and you guys all just fucking stare at her while you have a telepathic conversation for a few seconds. Well, I I don't think we're just staring. I think we're like, hmm. Hmm. You're like, let me get back to you on that one. Hmm. Yeah, okay, fine. Sorry, have your telepathic conversation, but make it quick. I'm going to give you like like three sentences each, tops. Yeah, yeah. Where did Rel wrote us? (laughs) <laughs> I think uh, Jody probably responds with, I think we should um, focus the questioning about what the keystone is and any properties it has and where she took it from. Wait, what? What's a keystone? She she got a stone? Don't tell her anything. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's a good thing Duncan's outside. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mm. Still all clear in the lobby. Drazilia right. um, <laughs> flips her hair over her shoulder and um, says, wow, it's an amazing... Um, where did you get that? <laughs> in that just totally chill way. I think, like, yeah. Alyssa, like, kind of, like, squints at you and is like, huh, wh- what do you mean? What did I get? Ah, uh, you guys are fucking weird. Uh, what? You still haven't told me what's going on here. How did you get here? What do you? Where did you hear about the Temple of Sea? You know Valeria. You came here looking for the Temple of Sea. Where's Valeria? <sighs> um, Jody, do you want to tell her? <laughs> I uh, uh, eat, uh, thank you for this opportunity to. Um, <laughs> I, I I feel very uh, confident in myself and my 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 abilities to um convey uh, uh that um uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh uh, Valeria, uh, she, um, uh, there was this, um, big, uh, uh, she, uh, we, w- uh, uh, she's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I think Alice is like, um, <laughs> she just like, now she's squinting at you. And she's just like, is there anyone else here I can talk to? <laughs> <laughs> Does someone want to explain what's going on here? Okay, maybe I'll spell this out for you. Valeria came around. She's like, uh, I'm looking for a temple. Do you know anything about a, an underwater temple? Something that the, the local people have been talking about for however long? And I was like, no, I don't know anything about that. Started looking around for it. Found something spooky. Big lock door. Couldn't get in. Any of this ringing a bell? Any of this uh, connecting with anything she told you? Yeah, uh, y- y- yes. We listen. We were um separated, but she did speak of um uh, basically uh, we were told to come and speak with you. So that is why we are here. Um in 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 getting to Hannibal Port, we have noted the um the issue with the the fish folk and the keystone and the legacy and I think potentially that is maybe more pressing given the potential attack on the city. As soon as you say fish folk, she like whips around to you, Jody, and says like, okay, so you saw the fish folk. The fish folk were, you encountered them on your way in. Uh, yes, uh, we were attacked by them, in fact. She, yes. she sighs and puts her hand on her head and it's just like, ah, oh, this is all so fucked up. This has all gone so wrong. Okay, yeah, okay. So remember, I said I found the thing, big locked door. There were these carvings on the door indicating like a, a, an orb. It's, it, it looked like it was glowing or carved or something, some kind of special orb. And, and basically, okay, look, I'll be honest with you. I, uh, <laughs> I, I sometimes resort to some methods that other researchers might find objectionable uh, in, in, in my uh, pursuit of knowledge. I, I, I quietly uh, let it be known to some, let's say, associates of mine from Portside that I was interested in uh, anything resembling this sphere, and, you know, within a couple of months, it found its way onto my desk. And uh, ever since then, the fish folk have been coming hard at the city. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure this is what I need to get in the temple, but I, I've been having a hard time getting there. I mean, I don't even feel safe leaving my office. You know, I, I, obviously, you understand, I can't tell too many people about this. I've had a hard time putting a crew together, but... Well, maybe we can... Maybe we can help each other out here. I think Jody, like, nods, and then, like, just, like, immediately turns his head and looks directly at Drasilia. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like a great plan. Miles uh, pipes up in the corner, and if I remember correctly, this guy literally just has my voice, and and he was. Just... I think it was like a David Hyde Pierce thing. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Miles pipes up, and he's like, uh, "Alyssa, um, uh, are you sure about this? I mean, we don't know these guys at all. We don't we don't know if we can trust them. What? Uh, what how are you gonna verify that they know Valeria? I'm I'm sorry, I don't I don't feel very comfortable with this. 
Um, I think Jody pipes up and says, um, "Do you know Gallic? He's my best friend." Uh, Garrick, no, uh, when Valeria came around, it was just her and that little guy that she always has, uh, Alvis, Albans, uh... Alvis? sends a sending stone message, and it's like, Alva, buddy, hello. You hear, like, a crackle of static as, like, Alva comes on the line. He's like, um, hello, yes, um, uh, Drasilia, yes, what, um, what, what seems to be the problem? What, what's going on? Real quick, do the Sending Stones play, like, some Muzak or some, like, elevated music, I like, while you're, like, or, like hold music while they, you're waiting for play, someone to respond? Yeah. They play, like, a shitty MIDI version of the Ghostbusters thing. <laughs> <laughs> It must depend on the stone, because Duncan's stone is just doing remix to ignition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, it's like a private ringtone, yeah. like a reverse ringtone where you set your own hold music. Yes. Anyway, Alvar crackles onto the line. What do, what do you do? Okay, Drazilia says, yes, we know Alvar. He can vouch for us, in fact, and just passes her the stone without saying anything else. Oh, um, Duncan in the lobby is like, Sidrep. Uh, okay, let's 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 play this out. So Duncan says Sitrap, you all hear that. Uh, I'm gonna say the stone hits Alyssa's hand just as Duncan says Sitrap over the stone. <laughs> and she just hears Duncan say Sitrap, like in a room, and she's like, Whoa, who's that? That's not Alva. What are you who who is that? And she just says that out loud to the room to you guys. Oh, uh, this is a, a multi-channel stone, sorry, just Wait a moment. She, she, she her eyes go wide and she says, Who the fuck else is listening to this conversation? Um just, uh, you know, Al- Alva. Alva um... pipes up over the stone and says, um, hello, yeah, yes, who, who, who is that? Who, um, uh, Drasilia called me? Um, who, who is that? And Alyssa drops the stone on the table and says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't like this. This is, this doesn't pass my spell test. Uh, you guys aren't telling me everything. Uh, I don't know if I can trust you. All right, Jody stands up, opens the door, and points to Duncan. The door is locked, <laughs> so Jody gets up and jiggles the knob. <laughs> Jody spins around, being like, um, "Can you can you unlock this, or I can I can try and punch my way through it?" But um, I'm I'm, t- I'm trying to exp- uh, dis- display um, uh, some transparency. We have a third. A third, and he's outside There's the a door. Third man. Oh Jesus Christ! Why do you people always? <sighs> okay, yep. Yeah. Miles, let him in, and, and Miles goes over and unlocks the door and opens it. And there's Duncan. I like to imagine Duncan's like ear up against the door, so as the door opens, he like stumbles into the room a little bit. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's not standing at the door. He's okay. he's. Poking around the lobby, looking at the architecture, like he told the uh, receptionist he was into the architecture. I thought he might just be, like, leaning against a pillar with his, like, cool, like, Clint Eastwood, good, the bad, and the donkey yeah. vibe, and, like, smoking a cigar, and look up and be like, what's up, partner? <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> uh, but okay, yeah, I guess he can just be looking at some beams or something, if you prefer. <laughs> can, um, can we also just real quick, like, and I know this is very much tangenting, but can we just get a quick sit rep on what everyone looks like at the moment? Because I feel like we've had, like, a, a number of changes, and just a very... Very, very quick, like, recap yeah, 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 of like, okay. how everyone's looking. Let, let's put it down. So, so Duncan is wearing a, a, a poncho that you made him over his full plate armor and a beanie, I believe is canonical, yeah. uh, <laughs> and carrying a great sword that is as long as himself, <laughs> slung over his back. Um, that's a very fucking cool vibe. Yeah, I mean, that's like, and like friendly still. Does he have uh, friendly yeah. mutton chops? Yeah, okay. okay. So that's like a very, like, yeah, I mean, what did I say last time? Like, full plate cowboy poncho? Yeah. Or like, yeah, some, something cool like vibe. that. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Druzzy is, I believe, wearing a big red satin hat 
and it's yeah, velvet actually velvet oh. hat right and what's her general like body covering vibe <laughs> i think there is well of course there's a boob window and- <laughs> right. that's canonical <laughs> It's actually um, all there is. <laughs> there's, <laughs> I don't know, it's like foliage. What what was I wearing? Just oh, still foliage. wearing foliage. Okay. The, there's been a fair bit of black leather at one point. Yeah. 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 I think she was going for a real. So like like a basic sort of like black leather sort of like simple vibe, with like accented by foliage and like a red velvet hat. Yeah. Okay, that's very cool. It's a very powerful look. And, and Jody's doing and Jody, oh, Jody's doing his like fun summer guy vibe. He has like a linen shirt, like a like a. What's he wearing? Like a yeah, I I, I think he's wearing like a like I think we said like a silk shirt. That's right. So I think he's got like a sort of like a um, purple silk shirt, right? Yeah, yeah, like a purple silk shirt, like black linen pants, yeah, and then now, and now he has his like majestic a red majestic cloak red over cloak. As well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, very. Also, cool. for what it's worth, Jody has stopped shaving. Oh wow! And so he's got like a moustache and like a little bit of stubble coming in as well. Is it like patchy or can he grow a full beard? Uh, the man can grow a full beard. Thank you. The man can walk on water. He's he's a he's a messianic figure. Like trust me, this guy can grow a beard. He's halfway to Jesus. Okay, right. outstanding. So let's drop back into the situation that we're already in. And Duncan's standing out in the corridor, and Alyssa says, uh, "Come inside," and just like gestures you in like impatiently. Duncan on the sending zone just says, "Do I engage?" <laughs> <laughs> Am I clear to engage? Uh, Alvar pipes up and says, uh, Nobody engage anybody! What's going on here? Uh, Dun- Duncan, just, just come, 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 in, come inside, Duncan. Please. Hello. <laughs> Does Duncan just step in the room? Yeah. And Miles just closes the door behind you. And then um, Alice is like, Okay, so let's 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 summarize here, shall we? Me, Alyssa. He, Miles. Jojo Snibbins. Who the fuck are you? And puts her hands out at Drazilia and Duncan. Good day. My name is Drazilia Helimian. Oh, why did I give my full name? <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna, I was I was gonna, I was gonna say o- over Sending Stone that you guys should be Tarzan and Jane, but uh, well, yeah, I don't yeah, have yeah. my Sending Stone anymore, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's sitting on Alyssa's desk. Duncan's like, I'm Tarzan. I'm like, I'm Drazilia. <laughs> Alvar's just shouting over the Sending Stone channel. Is everything okay? What, what is this about engaging? What did you call me? What's going on here? <laughs> I'm not responding. I don't have a Sending Stone. Yeah, does Duncan finish introducing himself? I think Duncan says. I'm. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Let's not worry about it. I I think we're going for a trust thing here. Um, and um, maybe a, a name of some sort might be um helpful in smoothing that over. Fine, fine, okay. If Jody, fuck. If- <laughs> <laughs> She says, yeah, what do I call you, guy? We got Drazilia, uh, Jojo, or Jody, I guess. And uh, uh, what am I going to call you? Marcus. Marcus. Okay. Okay, fine. Marcus. Marcus it is. She says, giving you a condescending glare. Um, Okay, so you guys know Alvar, you claim. Uh, You're all working together. I guess Alvar was on... What is this? She picks up the sending stone in time to hear Alvar, who has just been continually shouting over the stone, like asking for a sit rep. And uh, she sends back like, uh, Alvar, is that is that you? It's Alyssa Brambles. And Alvar kind of immediately stops and is like, oh, they um, they found you. Oh, that's that's great. Um, 
what's going on? She sends back, uh, your friends are being real weird and cagey. Uh, look, I got a bit of a situation over here. Al- Alva, uh, uh, do you know these guys? They work with Valeria? And he says, um, well, uh, in so much as any of us have worked with Valeria, she um, disappeared uh, some weeks back. Uh, unfortunately, we're, we're, we're hopeful that she's somewhere, but we, we haven't heard from her in, in a while. And uh, Alyssa says, uh, seems like there's a lot of that going around. Okay, uh, all right, we'll, we'll check in with you, Alva, if, if we need anything. In the meantime, this is, I guess, good enough for me. Uh, fuck me, I guess. Let's see what happens here. Can these guys be trusted? And Alva says back over the channel, um, Well, yes, I know they uh, come off uh, a, a little bit goofy at times, but they're, believe me, they're very capable uh, at what they do, and their hearts are, believe it or not, mostly in the right place. Uh, you'll be fine. <laughs> I is like, all right, guys, that's that's enough. Trezilia can't hear this because her sending stone is in Alyssa's hand. Grace. I'm just standing in silence. Um, yes. Yeah, every, everyone else, like, has, like, a, like finger and, like, four, like, like finger and, like, thumb, essentially, like, on their chins, like, just mm. listening to the conversation. She says, okay, Alyssa out. We'll check in if we need to. Um, found the Temple of Sea. Uh, some complications, but we're, I guess we're... I guess we're all heading there. <laughs> she puts the stone down on the table and uh, levels a glance at you guys and says, Okay, after all that, I guess that's where we are. I have been looking for people to take me to Temple of Sea. In, in some ways, this could all be quite advantageous. We could, we could work together on this. What do, you, what do you say? You want to get to the Temple of Sea? What do you reckon? If there's fish folk to kill, I'm in. <laughs> so, do the fish folk know about the Temple of Sea, or is the keystone to them quite a separate thing? She says, I have no idea what they do and don't know. What I do know is they apparently feel like this keystone is their cultural legacy or birthright or something, and, uh, yeah, I seriously pissed them off. Uh, uh, wouldn't be opposed to giving it back to them, to be honest. Uh, do need it, at least for this bit. I mean, I, I would be in favor of giving it back in terms of, like, sorting things out eventually. Um, I do wonder if we use the keystone to open the door that presumably they are helping to guard in some manner and then give them back the now useless key, if that's going to be really, <laughs> really any use of them at all. But um, uh, in theory, I'm, I'm into it. Now, hang on. I missed some stuff while I was in the lobby. <laughs> are you telling me? That the fish folk I've developed a hatred for... In the last two episodes. <laughs> in the last two episodes are actually just trying to get back something you took from them. Oh my god, is is Duncan learning about racism for the first time? Yeah, and... Uh... <laughs> it's just like a character-defining moment. <laughs> she, she, she takes a big suck-in of some air through her teeth and is like... I wouldn't say I took it from them. Uh, that's not really my thing. Uh, I don't know how it got to me. I didn't know it was theirs. I just told some people that I was looking for it, and then they brought it to me, and now we're in this situation. So Miles, Miles chimes up from the corner and says, Okay, um, I'll hold down the fort here. Uh, I, I can cover for you again. I guess you'll need to duck out again. I can, I can, I can say you're in office all day again, if you like. Um, when are you planning to leave? And Alyssa looks at the three of you in turn and then says, how does tonight under cover of darkness sound? Am I, am I in this conversation or is this another sending stone? No, no, no. This is a word human conversation. She yeah. put your sending stone back down on the table. Yeah. That, <laughs> that happened after Alvar stopped being in this conversation. So Drazilia has just been like staring at a wall zoned out. I think Jody turns to Drazilia and is like, Drazi, did you have a 
another a vision? Is that why? <laughs> <laughs> is that where you were? Yeah, I did. Can I have my sending stone back now? <laughs> she just like gestures at it on the table. All right, see you tonight. Bye. Okay, yeah, uh, I, I have been tracking out of here a bit when I can, trying to, you know, rustle up a crew, people I can trust. I have found one person, uh, Lucinda. She's a captain of a private sailing vessel. She's going to take us up the coast to the entrance to the temple. I guess I'll go talk to her now uh, and, and see if she's ready to go tonight. And if all works, we can meet down at portside maybe an hour after sundown. Terrific, yeah. Meeting adjourned! She gets, she gets up from the desk, uh, picks up her glass of brandy, pours herself another glass, and uh, takes the bottle, and uh, walks out of her office through like a little like curtain into another back room, carrying the bottle of brandy in the glass. And Miles just kind of gestures at the door and is like, well, um, I guess she'll meet you down at the docks. Guess it's after 11am. <laughs> <laughs> Heyo, it's me, just checking in on you in the middle of the show as per usual. Thanks so much for listening to Chapter 31. Notice I said chapter, not episode, because I consider this a work of literature. <clears throat> uh, it was super nice to record with Jackson in the same room, so I hope you're having as much fun listening to it as we did making it. So, this is probably the first of a few times we'll mention this between now and January, but we're extremely pleased to announce that we'll be running a live version of HTW Laid again as a short season at the 2019 Perth Fringe Festival. There'll be heaps more details coming in due course, but for the meantime, just know we're returning to the live stage with those good dice rolling vibes. So if you're in Perth in January, definitely stay tuned. Alright, I just want to give a quick shout out to Podknife, that's at Podknife, for tweeting about us. There are podcast info and review feeds, so thanks to them for spreading the word. If you want us to show you some love, you can follow in their footsteps and spread the word on whatever social media you prefer. Okay, I won't take up any more of your time. Thanks as always for listening. Enjoy the rest of the show. Okay, so the way I see this working, now that you've had that meeting, um, and you know what you're doing, you've kind of got the rest of the day, if there is anything you wanted to do in Hanelport, or we could just jump basically straight to that scene. W- was T organising a company of actors? Was that a... That was in three, day- three days hence. <laughs> okay. Three days yeah. hence. But you could go meet we... up with Barnaby Timmy Chandler, the greatest actor in Hanelport, if that's your vibe. <laughs> just like smash and bruise. Or you could just go see Jimmy and his brother Bimmy the Crossbow. We introduced <laughs> so many new lovable NPCs <laughs> the last episode. I, I ran out of time to go shopping when um, I was organizing the actors. I reckon, you know what? Duncan probably kind of like turns to Jody. I think he's sort of noticed this cool new cloak. Yeah, it's it's red bit... and majestic. I think it's hard to yeah. miss. It's not really like inconspicuous at all. <laughs> but I, th- I think he's I think he's drawn to it visually, and um, I think he just kind of says, uh, "Jody, where, where'd you get this cool new cloak?" Oh, Tunkan, there is this super cool guy. It's um, from uh, Scriven's uh, 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 corner of uh, corner emporium of um, S- Scriven's cloak corner st- is the name uh, of the establishment. Is oh, oh Duncan, the, the 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 ranges and the textiles and the fashions. It was just oh, in mm, mm, mm. and I think Jody just like. <laughs> Like starts walking down the street a bit, just like, mm, 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 mm. like sort of a bit like Tobey Maguire in like uh, Spider Man Three. Oh yeah, <laughs> dude, that is my vibe. So is it, is it 
this way then? Are you leading me there? I think, I th- I think Jody's out of earshot, unfortunately. <laughs> he's, just, he's just, like, strolling down the street. He's just told you the name of the establishment, and now he's fucking off. I think I think he's walking there, in fact. I, I think. I Wait, think does he tell Duncan about the curse? The curse that happens if you barter for the cloaks? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he... D- I think he's forgotten about it. <laughs> Because I had forgotten about it before you told me that. Oh, no. After Jody walks off, Druzzy's like, I can um, tell you where I got this cool hat as well if you want to <laughs> Oh, um, yeah, thanks. I mean, I've already kind of got a little secret going with my beanie, which I'll show you later. But, um, uh, yeah, I'm all good for headgear. Cheers. Right. <laughs> Druzzy dances off down the street as well, I guess. <laughs> Nice. All right, so does, does Duncan head over to Scriven's cloak corner? Well, he follows Jody. I don't think he knows where he's going to end up. Okay. Does Jody take him there? <laughs> yeah, by way, like, like by by way of a pie float first. Like, yeah, is yeah, is yeah. it also like so? Like we've established that it's kind of like a like a Spider Man three vibe. Mm-hmm. Is it also a bit of a Bruce Almighty vibe where he's just kind of yeah. like no, exactly. Or, it's, or it's, like a Five Hundred the... Days of Summer vibe. Ooh, which one is ooh, it? Ooh, you got to decide. Ooh, right musical now. bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like walking around town, listening to fucking. I, I feel like, I feel like. Oh, I know the scene. I, just... <laughs> I feel like everyone in Hamilton knows and loves Scriven, Scri- Scriven's like cloak corner, and so I think as Jody's like strolling down the street, like sort of clicking and humming, everyone sort of knows, and they remember their oh, first cloak. Musical and, dance yeah, number. Yes, in the street, the like everyone yeah. in the street. Is the yes. wanted JoJo Snippens drawing attention to himself right now? Dancing like the yeah, I think he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it's like oh, to, to make another movie moment, reference. No one it's like him. that scene in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> <laughs> the How many scenes is this like? It's four <laughs> movies. Yeah, it's not derivative. It's instead like an amalgamation and like a fusion. It's a car, it's a car fusion dance essentially. It's essentially like it's also this like that scene in Terminator Two. <laughs> Um, what scene in Terminator 2? You know, when he gives a thumbs up as he's melting? I'm, I'm not sure how, how it's like the scene at the end of Terminator 2. <laughs> Unless Jody like gives a thumbs up and then like spontaneously combusts. It melts, melts, <laughs> yeah. slowly just melts yeah, I mean, into yeah. a He's looking that hot. <laughs> Oh, stop it. Too hard. <laughs> yeah, and then it's, and then it's, it's like a whole Bruno Mars thing. What was it? Was it, was it make a dragon want to retire, man? Was that your take on those lyrics? Oh, yes. Listen. Yes. Uh, I dragon fucking am so into this vibe. Yeah. <laughs> this is the coolest vibe. I can't even think of what the real lyric is now that you um, said that. Drag him out of retirement. It's about um, firefighters yeah. or something. Oh, yeah, no, make no, the police make, and the firemen. That whole time I... I thought it was Dragon as well. Yeah, yeah I also makes, thought it was that. It makes more sense. Like, drag him out yeah. of retirement is fine, but make a dragon want to retire, man? Yeah, is that's too so hot? much better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's incredible. It just cracked me up because I hadn't heard it that way. Like, imagine <laughs> how I thought it was until right this second. <laughs> yeah, wow. I think that's actually been Jody's... Because, like, he would catch a grenade for you as well, is the thing. Because, um, like, literally he has that ability to catch, like, to catch thrown grenades. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my god. That's the lyric as written on uh, genius.com. So you know what? You know what? That was, might be was the I official right lyric. The whole time? Yeah, I Are you think. Are telling me 
I found a way to invent a less interesting lyric. <laughs> a more sensible but less interesting lyric. Yeah, I mean, that is at least what's on... That at least is what's on Genius.com. Anyway, in short order... Yeah, after- if you need lyrics for your musical or any other songs, I can make them more sensible and less yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After any number of fun musical moments that you want to have in your imagination... Like, honestly, this is a, this is a pick-your-scene kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah, you yeah. can decide which, which one it is of those, like, six things we just described yeah, yeah yeah and then in short order you're at Scriven's cloak corner and I think like Scriven is like he's like sweeping up like getting ready to close up shop for the day when he sees like your fucking cavalcade of people dancing through the streets <laughs> down to his front door <laughs> and he's like oh my 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 friend you've returned do you need another cloak my boy uh, Scriven it's it, uh, wonderful to see you again um, no I, I am more than content with this wonderful uh, this piece that I'm currently wearing um, however my friend here could uh, could use your assistance he, and, uh, then I, I, and then Jody like sort of like bows and then, and then like sort of like basically I, I want you to imagine that Jody's been holding up part of the cloak and then bows and then lowers it and then Duncan appears <laughs> like, it's like a majestic reveal of, oh, of Duncan I think that action is what gives Scriven the idea Scriven loves looks at the way Duncan appears from behind this cloak and you see his eyebrow raise and he like wryly smiles and he says my good man ride this way uh okay he, he leads you through the store to the back room and this is the same like very cozy like well worn wood like just nice feel store and then you're in this back room with these like coiled like wrapped up cloaks of different kinds and Scriven like he hesitates a little bit, like, he, he eyes you up and down, and uh, you can see his, like, you know, skillful, bright, experienced eyes peering out from his wizened old face, and uh, he kind of, he, he measures you for a moment, and then he just kind of nods, and he goes, I believe I have just the item that'll interest you, sir, and uh, he, he quickly walks over to a table and uh, unfurls a, what colour is it? What does it look like, Duncan? I'm gonna say it's a deep blue. Or like a like yeah. a midnight blue, like very yeah. dark blue. Yeah. I reckon midnight blue. With like when it catches the sun, there's tiny like gems in it, so it looks like the night sky. Ooh. Ooh. I thought you were gonna be like a pearlescent sort of vibe, like a like an early two thousands like modern car sort of thing. The night sky. Okay. You're lost. <laughs> what do you think, Dukan? Just like a deep blue. Just like a deep, deep yeah. midnight blue. Maybe like a kind of a light sheen to it in the right light. I'm thinking like the deep blue of some sort of more like sort of mysterious plane of colour than the sky. Okay. But of course I have no idea what this cloak is yet, so Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. <laughs> of course you don't. You the character don't. Uh, and he, he unfurls it and uh, he holds it up to the light and you can see this sort of shimmer of blue in what is otherwise a very, very deep, dark colour. It's really nice and like it feels oh like you God. just like you're like... <laughs> and um, he like, like billows it out and drapes it over your shoulders and uh, it fits just right. It's just the right length. It doesn't, it doesn't drag along the floor. So it's quite a small cloak. Yes, yes. <laughs> it, it, it was a cloak for a, for a dwarf or a child. Yeah. Uh, and there's like a mysterious gust of wind that like rushes past him and his face lights up briefly and then it just dies down. Yes, thank you, Gracie. Thank you, number one Harry Potter girl. Um, <laughs> yes, and uh, he, he clasps it around your neck with like a little chain and uh, says, Well, what do you think, my good man? I need it. <laughs> <laughs> he says, This, my friend, is a cape of the Montebank. It will allow you to do uh, an enormously powerful feat, and it can all be yours for the low, low price of 5,000 gold pieces. Mate, the scummer Hannaport might call it the clock of the Montebank, but I've, I've seen a clock like this before. 
And if I'm not mistaken, this has got to be a cloak of tactical insertion. (laughs) (laughs) For the listener, the way this cloak works is basically you can use it to, like, like the way Dracula teleports around in, like, Dracula movies, like, furl the cloak around yourself and cast the spell Dimension Door, where you can basically teleport to within, what is it, like, 500 feet? We'll look up the rules when it becomes relevant, but you can basically, like, teleport around. I think you can do it once per day with the Cape of the Mountebank, or the the cloak of tactical insertion, as we're now going to call it. (laughs) Dracula doesn't teleport he turns into a bat when he does that oh gracie you know what gracie oh gracie you know what fuck you Uh, (laughs) (laughs) fact jacked he's asked asked you for five thousand gold pieces for this cloak tunkan how do you respond look how about we just catch the chase i'll give you two five i would say his eyes narrow and his his head whips shrewdly uh, and he, he stares you in the face and says a bargainer are you well I suppose I could let a cloak this fine go for 3,000 gold pieces? And he raises an eyebrow and looks down at you. Eh, look, that'll do. Okay, Duncan hands him 3,000 gold pieces and walks out of the store, does he? Uh, yeah. As you walk out of the store, we, the audience, see Scriven mutter under his breath, You have chosen poorly. (laughs) And uh, in a nice bit of narrative throwback to that uh, joke I made about how the cloak is cursed if you try and barter below it, this cave of the Montebank is nerfed, my friend. And instead of being able to use Dimension Door once a day, you can only use it once every two days. (laughs) All right, what do you guys want to do now? You got a little bit of time, uh, or are you just heading straight down the docks? Or is it a third pie float for the day? (laughs) Pie float at the bar. Pie floats at, at the bar. bar. <laughs> walks out wearing his cool new cloak and he's just like, pie floats at the bar. <laughs> yeah, okay. Pie floats at the bar. All right, so you guys get, and Dunkan's like, I took that full for 2,000 gold. <laughs> <laughs> 2,000 pie floats for me. <laughs> Do you get a pie float and then you head down the dock? Yeah, let's go yeah. sit by the dock by the bay or whatever. What's nice. I would like say... You can absolutely walk clean out of these guard posts. They're only checking people coming in for papers. And this is something that Jojo would be well aware of. Cool. And we don't need to... Like, we're getting to portside anyway, so... Yeah, exactly. So you can just walk out of the main part of the city into the portside part of the city, which is... um, And they never questioned these extremely luxurious, rich-looking people Yeah, these fancy, fancy gents and lady, yeah. I also feel like... Like in Hamelport, if you're going around one of these majestic like cloaks, you're sort of treated like like a member of Hamelport. You know what I mean? Mm. Like because Scrivens is such like a cultural institution. Yeah, yeah, all the cloaks have a little S embroidered in them. Yeah, like on like the bottom, and like everyone knows Scriven yeah. and the cloak corner. In like... in, in Hamelport, uh, S means hope. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> what? Hope. Uh, very good. So. You guys make your way down to the place you discuss. And I'm just going to say Alyssa told you, like, a specific dock that she's meeting this Lucinda, this captain, at. Which dock? A dock in Portside. Is and it Doc Brown? <laughs> yeah, it's Doc Brown. You guys head down to Doc Brown. That's what it's called. It's the Brown Dock. So the docks are color-coded. And this one is, bra- <laughs> is Brown Dock. And you quickly see this little vessel, like a little boat. It's nowhere near as big as, like, the big black boat that the Black Hens use as their floating headquarters. It's, like, uh, probably 20 feet long, single sail. And uh, you see a, a sort of um, short-statured, uh, stout figure from behind, like, coiling up some ropes. Do you intuit that this might be the 
captain that you've come to meet. And uh, as you approach, emerging from the shadows, seeing as the sun has now gone down, is a hood-drawn, narrow-figured Alyssa Brambles. The viewer who is currently imagining this in their mind's eye would recognize this cloaked figure as the cloaked figure that they saw entering the university like two episodes ago in the in the post-episode VO. Uh, but none of your characters know that. She kind of gestures you onto the boat, and as you get on, the stout short figure turns around and says, You're welcome to Lucinda's vessel. Uh, if you'll all just keep your hands to yourself, we'll be at our destination quickly enough. And uh, <laughs> sort of, before you say anything, turns back around and starts like uncoiling some ropes. Clearly he's heard our reputation after dark. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah hands to yourself is a very specific request. Of yeah. all the things to ask for on a boat. <laughs> yeah, well, Lucinda's a very no- no-nonsense kind of captain. Yeah. And, uh, you know, before too long, she shoves off. I guess she's standing kind of at the at the wheel, and you guys are probably sitting, like, on some benches on the deck. There's, like, a little um, cabin on the deck as well. Basically, you're sitting there, and, and Alyssa's explaining, so, this place I found a couple months ago, I, I wrote to Valeria, I haven't heard anything back. I guess that makes sense now. Why? Um, anyway, it's a few miles up the coast here, and for those of you who are interested in the map, you would find that you are quickly heading out of Hannelport Harbour, this very sort of busy harbour with sort of these like separate channels for like large merchant ships and sort of smaller vessels. You're heading out quickly into the open ocean and this is probably a very familiar vibe for Jody as you are now heading east along the south coast of Carthus heading towards the mountain range known as the Jaw. Jody probably knows that the seas to the sort of south of the Jaw are quite treacherous because, of course, this mountain range extends into the ocean and there are, like, spires of rock and some of them are sort of hidden just beneath the water. But an experienced captain like Lucinda, a, a no-nonsense dwarven lady who's been doing this for many years, she, she knows her way around. And probably a couple of hours later of sailing, you can sort of just see that you're, you're coming into... The very western edge of what can justifiably be called the jaw. Cool. Do you think Jody's done much traveling in this area? I, I would imagine more moving through rather than like stopping in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Jody probably turns to Duncan and is like, um, "Hey, uh, Duncan, would you like to uh, stand with me on that mountain, or perhaps we could, um, you could bathe with me in the sea?" <laughs> yeah. Um, just give me one moment while I remember the lyrics that come after that. <laughs> <laughs> so as you're as you're sort of heading into these rocky waters, uh, you, you see, of course, and Jody would probably know, there are like a lot of sea caves, like off to the north, channels that extend into the mountain range, like underneath the mountains. As as you're doing this, and it's kind of becoming more treacherous waters, uh, the sort of deck lamps on the ship are not enough, and you hear Lucinda mutter a few words under her mouth, and then under her mouth, under her breath, and then a... <laughs> with, with with her second mouth, she hides yeah. under her chin. Yeah, yeah, uh, a. a a sort of a, a light spell of some description sort of illuminates the front of the vessel and sprays out like a nice cone of light, like a searchlight type thing out in front of you so she can keep an eye on the rocks. After a couple of hours of traveling along through here, it's getting quite late at night when uh, Lucinda all of a sudden sort of brings the ship to a stop and, and drops anchor. She basically just says, oh, well, uh, we're, we're here. And uh, starts kind of unfastening a small sort of dinghy type vessel that is sitting on the side, like a little rowboat. You find yourself at the mouth, you can see through this light cone that she's created of a narrow channel cut into the mountain range that this big ship absolutely will not fit in. And you're going to have to proceed on this little rowboat. And what's more, Lucinda's not coming with you. Uh, she has prearranged with uh, Alyssa a signal for your pickup, a, a magical single-use sending stone. Uh, so Alyssa has the uh, the evac call, if you want, uh, available to her. But in the meantime, you're on your own. The four of you are getting in this little life raft and, and heading up this channel. 
I mean, perfect. No, no need for another captain. Uh, you've got <laughs> your boy Jody Mastana, mm. sailor extraordinaire, heading into that rowboat. Nice. Okay, so who do you think's manning the oars? I think Duncan probably says, "Hey, Jody, I'll I'll do the oars. Just tell me where to go." Wonderful, Drazi. Oh, and I guess like light, uh, Elysia. Um, if you could continue casting that light spell. As he says, uh, that's not actually my spell. Um, that that's a Lucinda thing. But uh, yeah, I can probably muster something up. Uh, if you, if um, you can't, uh, Dorazi, <laughs> do, do you have light as a cantrip? Yeah, I do, and I'm deeply offended that you asked this other lady instead of me. <laughs> Man, Druzzy is just hard to work with sometimes. Uh, she's like 19. She's very insecure. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, Jody then turns to Druzzy and yeah. he's like, oh, Druzzy. Because lights you... up Jody. Jody is the light of the boat. <laughs> Jody's illuminated, very messianic, yeah. Yeah. really continuing in this vibe. This is. This is Are you going to so... walk ahead of us? <laughs> yeah, well, I was, yeah, this is so great. I would actually love some light at the front of the boat so I can sort of better navigate where we're going. But lighting me up as well is also super terrific and it just completely blinds Jody of yes course. like yeah. Jody can't see like he's illuminated but like he's blind <laughs> so we have a, a fluorescent Jody yes and ideally <laughs> someone else can be fluorescent if they want I just need some light ahead of, of, of where I'm looking you yeah, will ask your new best friend <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a dark thought in Jody's mind where he considers pushing Drazilia off the boat <laughs> and into this cold, dark water. And uh, it quickly fades, but Jody then turns to Alicia and is like, uh, would you mind um, casting some light out ahead of the boat so I can see where I'm going? Uh, okay, let me check my character sheet and see if I have that ability. I do, in fact, have light, yes. Uh, I, I have a mage hand, light, vicious mockery, message, really whatever you want. So, any of those, good. Uh, how about, how about a little light for you? And, uh, she, she casts, like, a light cantrip on the front of the, of the little rowboat, the prow. So it's, like, casting out a little light. Lucinda waves as she kind of, like, pushes the boat away. She says, Yar, enjoy your journey, uh, best of luck, I suppose. And she quickly turns around and, and sets back to the task of, uh, of heading back into port. I think uh, Jody then turns to Drazi and is like, uh, Drazi, would you mind um, uh, keeping an eye on, on, the, on the rear as we, like, sort of head forward? Drazi just walks to the back of the boat without saying anything and looks at the rear. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so you guys proceed down this tunnel. It's basically just like a dark tunnel of rock cut into the underneath of the mountain. And for the what most part... What does know about the rock? A <laughs> <laughs> 13. My okay. makes it 12. Um, it, it, it looks normal. Like, it looks like natural rock for the most part. Although, I will say, and this is not just apparent to you, Duncan. This is apparent to everyone. But as you proceed further down the tunnel, the walls start to become, like, a little slimy. Like, there's, like, a little bit of goo and slime lining these walls as you proceed down the tunnel. Oh, no. Gross. Yeah, um, you are, you are, I, I've just now realised that I have you going down a slime tunnel, and I'm sorry about that. Oh, God. I, I did not visualise <laughs> that. It's a wet slime tunnel. Like, Jody tries to sort of, like, scope out any danger, essentially, as we start seeing slime. Like, and a, like, a perception like, check? That's what, yeah. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Uh, 14 plus my perception, which is 7, so 21. Okay. You perceive no danger. Okay. Nothing. Just slimy walls and dark water. I, I will say that with that, you notice that the water is... <laughs> There's an episode title. Slimy walls and dark water. That's really good. Yeah. You notice that the water is, is darker, even though it is night. Uh, with this light cast on them, it's darker than you would expect it to be. 
Mm-hmm. And Alyssa kind of looks around and says, yeah, um, saw this before when, when we came in here. Like I said, uh, the door's just a little further in, uh, up, up on the left. Big metallic door, uh, closed. But, you know, thanks to um, this thing. And she kind of like taps the little sack that is containing the keystone. She says, I, I think we should be able to, to get it open. I guess we'll... We'll find out at least. Uh, And you guys uh, are met with no resistance as you proceed further up the tunnel. Well, it's lubricated, so... That's right. And (laughs) eventually, uh, this this tunnel opens out before you into a sort of... um... Hey, Junkar, give me a stone knowledge check. Natural 20! Okay, you would note that the walls, while still slimy in this kind of circular chamber, um, no longer appear natural. Like, it appears like this is an expansion cut expertly from an existing uh, sort of natural sea tunnel. Guys, it seems like this is an expansion cut naturally from... uh, Wait, fuck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I would also say, because it is a natural 20, uh, having been in enough Cinec Instructions, looks pretty familiar, this this particular kind of, like, stonework. Oh. And I, I would say, like, again, it seems like it's, like, better than, than just, like, regular stonework. Almost like it was done by a group of very powerful wizards using some kind of magical ability. Guys, this looks like Cinec stonework. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. Like it was done by a group of very powerful wizards. Fantastic. Uh, so, does Alicia have a response to... <laughs> To that at all? Like- uh, uh, Alyssa, Alyssa says, you know, I, I, I've never really given the cut of the stonework that much thought myself, but um, I guess you're right. Like, it's obviously deliberately cut, and I, I suppose it's good. I'm not much of a stoneworker myself. Anyway, um, here's the door, and she gestures to the left uh, side of this big circular room that you guys have just entered into, and there is, like, a very large, like, pretty much filling the entire kind of wall, big, like, metal disc of dulled copper and sort of low on the disc sort of where you could access from standing on this little raft there is a hemispherical recess which looks to you about the size of the keystone that Alyssa pulled out in her office as you kind of like pass this door that the light spell illuminates different parts of it and you can see all these different carvings and you can see carvings that sort of are indicative of this sort of glowing orb I mean I'm stumped I can't even remotely. <laughs> <laughs> After the trouble you guys had getting into the Temple of Life, I decided that all future temple entrance puzzles would be... Like button pushes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess we suggest that the keystone goes in the hole that is the same shape as it. Yeah, okay. That's a good suggestion. Thanks. Weapons ready, everybody. Duncan rows the boat over to the door on the left-hand side, and Alyssa sort of quickly reaches down into this bag and pulls out this sort of faintly luminescent stone and uh, reaches up, and can I get a, a perception check from everyone real quick? Um, I'm still looking out the back, so okay. should I take it to disadvantage? Or? Yeah. 21 from Dunk. 21 from Jody. Uh, 14. Okay, the two of you looking at Alyssa with your 21 perceptions notice a slight tremble in her hand uh, as she places this stone in this recess on the door. And then, because of your 21, a second later, you probably hear a sort of very low rumbling begin, kind of coming from all around you, like as soon as the stone touches the door. And Trezilia... With that 14, a few seconds later, like after the boys hear the rumbling, like nothing immediately happens. But a few seconds later, you start to see some ripples in the water on the other side of this circular space from the door. Is there a ledge anywhere? No. Does it feel like air conditioning or is it a different kind of rumble? 
you can't actually hear the rumble at first. Although it's probably, it gets louder and louder, so you, you will eventually hear it and know it definitely doesn't sound like that air conditioning rumble. The ripples are getting larger and larger. And the keystone's in the door now. Keystone's in the door, and very, very slowly, you probably uh, see that from the left-hand side, the door starts kind of very slowly rolling out of place, uh, like it's going to eventually sort of roll all the way out and, and reveal the opening beyond. Everybody in. Oh, it's not open enough yet, and before you can get too excited, a giant, horrifying, mouthed beast bursts out of the water in the circular cut chamber on the opposite side of the boat, and I need you all to roll initiative for me. <laughs> How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons is a production of the Curio Network and hosted by Thomas Owen, Grace Chapel, Ben McAllister, and Jackson Newsett. Editing by Ben McAllister. You can find details of all the music in the show notes. We've got other content on Curio, such as Odds and Ends, where Grace talks with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them, or still interested, where we look at film and TV that has been rebooted or remade and try to figure out why they thought it was a good idea. Check it all out at curionetwork.com. Um, I have a funny story. Okay. Last night I went to the theater with my mum and she was supposed to be having like dinner slash drinks with some like group of parents that she knows. And mm -hmm. so I like dropped her there after the show so she could get on the beers and, um, they like got me to sit down for a bit and I was there for... It must have been less than 10 minutes. And within three minutes, it just had turned into this conversation about how lame Dungeons and Dragons is. Wow. <laughs> they were just like, oh, dunking on Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I was like, oh. who are this group of parents? Yeah. Of oh. like 50 year olds. Where was your mum sitting on it? She was like, oh, Grace is a Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, she fucking <laughs> sold you down the river. <laughs> <laughs> so nice.